All right. Like Sarah said, I'm Cassie Kerrigan, and I'm so happy to be here today, as always, and really excited today to get to share with you. And I was supposed to share when the snow came, but you know how that goes, so everybody was at home. So I'm just grateful that we got it rescheduled for today. So like Sarah said, we are going to be talking about everyone's favorite topic today, <laughs> grief. <laughs> you know, I was a little bit, or a lot bit, worried that no one would show up today. <laughs> um, I actually had asked a friend of mine to pray for this morning. Not a friend who's here, so don't worry. And she was like, well, what are you talking about? And I said, grief. And there was this like immediate, like, response. She was like, good luck with that. I'm like, great. Thanks for the encouragement. Cool, cool, cool. Um, Yeah, so the truth is, grief is hard and it is uncomfortable because loss is difficult. That's just the reality. It's loss is unsettling and something about it just doesn't sit with us well. And I don't think that it does sit with us well because in God's original creation, loss didn't exist. And one day, when Jesus restores all things, loss will not be a part of that world. Yes. (laughs) You can give me a lot of that today. We'll have a lot of those amen moments, okay? So today, I'm not going to ask you to like grief. Don't worry. But I am going to ask you to engage with it for the sake of your soul. Grief, I think, is necessary because we do live in a broken world. And I really hope that by the end of this is that you know without a doubt that Jesus cares about your grief and he wants to sit with you in it. You do have a handout at your table, by the way. So I just, I just put that on there. It's just kind of a guide. And I'll have some slides up here that you can follow along with. Today we're going to talk about, we're going to define grief. We're going to talk about ways to grieve. We're going to talk about how to walk alongside others who are grieving. And then we're going to look at a biblical perspective of grief. Personally, grief is very important to me. As Sarah said, I am a mental health therapist, even though I have retired. So, (laughs) at least for now, I have retired. Um, Almost a year ago, which is crazy. Uh, But because I am a mental health therapist, I've had an amazing opportunity to sit with people in their grief. And I've been able to experience how healthy grieving can bring healing, restoration, and hope. Another reason why grief is really important to me, as many of you know, grief has been a huge part of our family's story. In 2019, we lost our daughter Radiance at 21 weeks. It was a placenta issue. She lived for about an hour, but you know, they're just not, their lungs aren't ready to live at that point. And then the next year we had our son Caleb. He was full term. He lived for a month. He ended up passing away. Um, due to a rare lung disease that he had that we didn't know about. 
Um, and nobody knew. We found out the day before he died what he had. So, especially after the loss of our son Caleb, I felt like I was forced into this intimate relationship with grief, whether I wanted it or not. But what I can tell you here today is that grief has been a survival for me. And it has led me to places and moments of healing and restoration. Through my relationship with grief, I've discovered a few things that I think are important for us to remember in this conversation. Our culture does not do grief well. It doesn't. Culture wants to give you like one to two months to be sad, and then you're expected to move on, never talk about it again, and just suck it up, get over it, move on. Another thing is that we don't like grief, <laughs> right? And that's... Oh, the babies. Oh, the babies. <laughs> Did I do something? Okay. Good. Okay. Do you want me to turn it off? Or? Okay, great. <laughs> we don't like grief. Because, I mean, who wants to sit in these uncomfortable emotions of sadness or hopelessness? Like, of course we don't like doing that. And it's just uncomfortable, so I think we avoid it sometimes or live in denial. Another thing about grief is that we will all experience it. At some point in your life, you will experience loss. And at some point in your life, you will have an opportunity to walk alongside somebody who has experienced loss. And this last thing that I've discovered is specific to the Christian circles. I think something that I've seen, whether it's intentional or not, is that sometimes there's this underlying undertone narrative message that grief is a sin. Even if it's not said just like that. Now, do I believe that to be true? No. And we will get to the biblical perspective. It's almost like if you're sad, you don't trust God. Or if you're sad, you don't believe in his sovereignty. And again, if somebody, maybe somebody doesn't say it like that direct to you, but maybe we feel that sometimes. And I want to tell you that you can be sad and still trust God. You can be sad and still believe he is sovereign. And my encouragement to you and to us today to experience and to walk away with is to grieve with Jesus, to grieve like Jesus, and to grieve in agreement with God's truth. Let's not use God to dismiss our grief or anyone else's, but Let's use God to actually affirm our grief. Okay, what is grief? Here we are. This slides. Grief is acute pain that accompanies loss. I don't say that word great, accompanies. You know what I mean, though. I'm like saying accompany. Uh, anyways, okay. Uh, acute pain that accompanies loss. You could also define it as normal feelings that arise after loss is experienced. And what I want you to hear, especially in that definition, normal. 
<laughs> right? Normal feelings that arise after you experience loss. When I say loss, what do I mean? Loss includes the loss of a person, which that in and of itself is an extremely devastating loss. Loss can also be the loss of a job, the loss of a dream, the loss of a relationship, the loss of a family unit, the loss of finances, the loss of a pet, the loss of a way of life, the loss of health, the loss of a season of life, and so on. We could keep going, you see? So loss is just not, when I say loss, I'm not just talking about the loss of a person. I'm talking about any type of loss that we may experience that doesn't sit with us well. I think, especially over these past few years with the pandemic, I think we've all experienced loss more, it's been more heightened for all of us. A loss of gatherings, celebrations, parties, dinners, time with family and friends, vacations, plans, so on and so on. My husband got out of the military and, you know, they like save their days off usually. And so then you get like these 60 days. And so he was ending in April and we were going to take these 60 days to go travel. And, you know, COVID hit in March, so that clearly didn't happen, <laughs> which is fine. I mean, that was a very minimal loss. But that's just, you know, there's been so many things like that, especially over the past two years. Some of those normal feelings that, that follow loss are sadness, disappointment, hopelessness, confusion, anger. And we'll get into this feelings here more in a second. I added in here, I want us to think about why do we grieve? Anybody just want to throw out maybe something that you think like, why do we grieve? What's the point? Huh? Possibly. Yep. I think that can be a part of it for sure. Process. Yep. Yeah, to acknowledge and identify what's going on. Yeah. I think we grieve for the health and healing of our heart, soul, and minds. That's the hope, right? And I think we grieve because I think that it can draw us closer to Jesus. I think we grieve because we get this intimacy, I think, with him through grief in a way we don't with other things. And we don't grieve to become content with loss. Because I don't think that's actually how we were made, to be content with loss. Instead, I think sometimes we have to grieve to remind ourselves to be content with Jesus, who is our sovereign, loving, kind, merciful, gracious, and just king. And even though it's hard and uncomfortable, grieving is healthy and it helps us with the overall healing process. Okay, how do we grieve? This is a big question and it's not black and white, so I will just tell you that. And it, I think it's important though that we talk about it because a lot of times we say, well, you should grieve. Okay, well, what does that mean? 
right? How do I, how do I actually do that? I think one, the first thing that you need to remember, and we all need to remember, is that this process will look different for everyone. Just because we are all different. Different personalities, different experiences, different backgrounds. So therefore, our grief process will all look different. I always say there's not a wrong way to grieve unless you don't do it, right? And unless you use unhealthy coping skills to avoid the grief, right? The next thing, I think it's important that we remember we cannot compare our losses or grief to others' losses and grief. We can easily look around and say, well, my, my thing isn't as bad as theirs, so I should just be fine. And I should just suck it up and move on. Your losses are real, and they matter, and you need to feel them. Loss is sad no matter what it is. And so we need to let ourselves feel that sadness. I think another great way to grieve is through writing. Writing is therapeutic in all areas. I know for me, it's been incredibly helpful to write out my story, to write out what I'm feeling. You can write about your confusion, your disappointments, writing out your desires, what you're learning through this experiment, experience, writing out about God's faithfulness. Why are you sad? What, what am I missing from that thing? Those are all great prompts in your writing about grief. The next thing I think when we think about how to grieve or ways to grieve that is important is that we need to grieve in community. We have to be willing to let people into our grief, even when it feels scary, uncomfortable, and vulnerable to do so. Because the reality is, it is scary and vulnerable <laughs> to share our grief with others. So there's typically, we have to take that step of courage and bravery and do it. But I promise you, once you do it, you will find more increased healing because we were made to be in community. God made us for community. So, of course, that includes our grief as well. We need each other. When we share about our grief, it, it brings light into these dark places of loss and grief. When we share, it allows our stories to be heard, which is healing because your story matters. When we share and allow others into our grief, they actually then become a witness to our story, which then gives meaning and purpose and hope to our stories. Being heard, seen, and loved in our grief is a huge and key part of our healing journey. And lastly, I think when we share our grief with our brothers and sisters in Christ specifically, we are giving them an opportunity to remind us of what's true when we can't muster up the energy to do that for ourselves. And that's really important. And I have experienced that through our journey of my community holding me up, speaking truth over me when I just didn't have the energy or capacity to do that.
Another way to grieve is to feel. <laughs> Here are our emotions, our feelings. We have to learn how to identify and embrace the emotions that follow loss and allow ourselves to lean into those feelings. I'm going to give you some examples here because I think it's important because sometimes it's really hard to identify how we're feeling. If you struggle with that, you know, you can just Google feelings wheel. It's a great tool. You just pull that out. How are you feeling? Check in with yourself. It gives you a guide. But some feelings that follow loss, I think they're all on your sheet, are anger, frustration, sadness, hopelessness, confusion, rage, despair, disappointment, irritability, feelings of mis being misunderstood, nervousness, fear, numbness, guilt, remorse, feeling like you are going crazy, difficulty concentrating, lack of energy, or motivation. That's not an all-encompassing list, but that is a great start. And what I want you to know about these emotions is that they're normal. Again, that goes back to our definition. And I want you, when you're feeling these things, to validate those emotions. And when we validate those emotions, that means we don't judge those emotions. Because we do that to ourselves a lot. We say, oh, you shouldn't feel like that. Right? We have this like, narrative playing in our head of like, oh, you shouldn't feel that way or you should just get over that. We try to dismiss it or we judge those feelings. And I'm going to ask you to let those feelings come, to feel them, and then let them go. For some of you, feeling is the easy part because you're a feeler. For some of you, feelings are scary and yucky, and you don't even know where to begin with them. <laughs> I am a thinker by nature. And so feelings, you know, we have an okay relationship. You know, again, I have been forced to feel way more than I ever wanted to because of the things that have happened to us. But I have grown in that, and I think it's made me more of who God has made me to be because he gave me those emotions and those feelings. And, you know, with most of the things in my life, I've been able to think my way to feeling better. Meaning I'm going to just tell myself the truth. I'm going to work through it. And then I feel better, right? But especially with the loss of my children, I have not been able to do that. And I don't think that I should be able to do that with that specifically. So really, I've really had to feel my way through that more than think my way through that. While we're talking about emotions, I think it's really important that we mention the tension between joy and sorrow that grief produces. Grief produces this tension of joy and sorrow. It's, it's this nuance with joy and sorrow, again, that grief produces. And I think we have to accept kind of this enmeshment of joy and sorrow together when we're talking about grief. Anybody watch Daniel Tiger? <laughs> Any Daniel Tiger fans? You know the song, Two Feelings at the Same Time. Two feelings at the same time. Yep. Um, so I always think about that song when I'm 
talking about joy and sorrow. We learn how to let joy and sorrow invade the same space, and we teach them how to be friends. Joy and sorrow can coexist without negating each other. And that's a really hard thing to learn. I think I don't think I'll ever master that, but I do believe that to be true. I want one or the other. Anybody feel me on that? I want to like, oh, I, I feel sad. I have sorrow. I'm going to put in my work. I'm going to do my processing. And then when I'm done, now joy, <laughs> right? And leave the sorrow behind. And I don't think that's fully possible here on this earth because we live in a broken world. And I think that we can gain some healing on this side of heaven, but we all know that the fullness of healing will come with Jesus' return. And because we live in a broken, sinful world, we walk this road of both joy and sorrow each day. Each day. And it's not either or. It's always both. And yet, because of Jesus, we do have access to joy even in the brokenness. And again, when Jesus returns, our joy will then be complete in him. Another way to grieve is counseling. Clearly, I'm biased because I am a therapist. (laughs) But the great thing about counseling, I think especially with grief is that you're sharing with somebody who is not a part of your life on the like daily basis, right? And so they're not as emotionally invested in your grief as you are, which is helpful for you, right? (laughs) You know, because if I was going to my therapist after my son died and he was just as emotionally invested in it as me, it would not be, it would not help me. Right? I mean, maybe, but not as what, it's not what I needed. And then the last one, I do want to mention the stages of grief. I did put them up there. I'm not going to like go through and talk about each one just for the sake of time. There are a ton of great books out there about them, a ton of great resources. They do get a bad rap because people are like, you can't put grief in a box, which is true because grief is complicated and it is complex. But what I do like about these, I want you to think about it more as like a roadmap. They are not linear. You do not go through shock and then in denial and then you're onto bargaining and then guilt, okay? Sometimes you might experience all of those in one day. Sometimes you might experience one, go on to another one and then go back to the other one, <laughs> right? So they're, they're not, don't think about them as linear. Think about more Think about them more as a roadmap. So a great thing that you could do with these is I could ask myself, okay, where am I with guilt today? Where am I with anger today? Where am I with this feeling of sadness and depression and hopelessness? So that is not an all-encompassing list of ways to grieve, but I think it is a good start. We could also add exercise, any type of movement of our body, because grief sits in our bodies as well. Support groups, listening to music, 
reading, right? We could go on and on and on here about ways to grieve, but I just wanted to give you some really practical places to start with grief. Okay, how to walk alongside others who are grieving. I went back and forth, should we talk about this, should we not? But people always ask me this. And, I mean, that's one thing really my son has taught me, our son who we lost, um, is how to walk alongside people who are mourning because I just wasn't, I'm realizing now that, like, I didn't do a great job of that before. And not to say I'm perfect at it now, but I have learned a lot through that experience. And like I said earlier, at some point, you will have an opportunity to walk along somebody, alongside somebody who's experiencing grief. Romans 12, 15, we all know this verse, says, rejoice with those who, re- who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. So how do we do this? How do we mourn with those who mourn? Keep it simple. That's what I'm here to tell you. Don't overcomplicate it. Just show up. Give what you can. I think we, we have a hard time walking alongside others who are grieving because we can get really worried of like, what do I say? What if I say something wrong, right? We just, we can get into our heads, which shows that you care, right? Because you don't want to make it worse for the other person. But again, keep it simple. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't get in your head. Just show up. I think another reason that holds us back sometimes is like, well, I can't, I don't really, I've never been through that. I don't understand. And I'm here to tell you, it's okay if you don't understand. You don't have to. You don't have to understand what the other person is going through in order to be able to sit by them. You don't have to understand what they've been through to listen to them, right? And so free yourself from that. It's okay if you don't understand, or if you haven't also experienced the same thing. Be willing just to sit with them and listen. Your presence matters so much. Just your presence. And so don't forget that. And then I think we need to be willing, and this is our work that we have to do in ourselves, we have to be willing to feel uncomfortable because pain is uncomfortable. And if we can't do that with ourselves, we're for sure not going to be able to do that with other people. And then when we don't feel comfortable sitting in that pain, what we typically try to do is fix it, (laughs) right? And again, I mean, anybody's husbands, okay? (laughs) I'm like, I don't need you to fix it, okay? (laughs) Um, yes (laughs) but we want to fix it and again that's coming from a good motivation but we can't fix grief you're not the savior I'm not either we can't fix loss and you don't have to because Jesus is and will we can't fix someone else's pain Instead, we we can sit with them in it, and we can validate their pain, acknowledge their pain, and don't minimize their pain, because that's typically the underlying message of if we try to fix somebody else's pain, it, it almost is like we're minimizing it. 
And even if that's not your intention, that's how it can feel. Your presence matters to someone grieving, not your advice, right? Okay? So I think, again, that is important to remember as well. Let's talk about some really practical ways to walk alongside others who are grieving. You know, you can, important dates, reach out on those days. Put them in your calendar so you remember because you're just not going to remember those days. Uh, Don't be afraid to reach out. I think one of the best things that I've learned through our experience, I had a few friends who would just ask, you know, like, how are you, right? You're like, how am I supposed to answer that? (laughs) But they, all they did was added one word to that. And it was so helpful. How are you today? And that was so good. It was so simple, right? (laughs) You know, how are you today? And I was like, I can better answer that. And I can feel loved by that question. If there has been a loss of a person, say that person's name. Prayer is a great way to grieve. Because when, when we're praying, what we're doing is we're grieving for that person on their behalf in front of the God of the universe. I've, I thought, I've thought about that a lot, especially with everything that's going on in Ukraine right now. And just grieving that and going before the Lord, and grieving on their behalf with the Lord. Drop off a meal. Offer to babysit somebody's kids. Initiate time to hang out. We could keep going here, and I'm sure y'all have great ideas, and that could be something that you talk about at your table. What has been helpful for you, and how people have shown up for you? How do you like to show up for other people? Again, not an all-encompassing list. And I think there's just something so humbling about walking along some, alongside somebody who's grieving. We have this opportunity to join God in walking alongside them. And I think that's just really powerful and a really special gift that we get. Biblical perspective of grief. What does the Bible say about grieving? What does Jesus say about grieving? If you don't know where to start with grief, start here, the Bible. Jesus, pray, read read the Bible, because there is so much grief language in the Bible. So much. And I think sometimes the weight of loss feels so heavy that we have a really hard time identifying how we're feeling and verbalizing what we're thinking and feeling. And when we go to the Bible and we read some of this grief language, it gives us words for what's going on inside of us. And it allows us to connect with our emotions and thoughts. The Bible gives us beautiful, deep, honest, emotional, and truthful language to help us grieve. Let's look at some of these examples of expressions of grief in the Bible. The Psalms are filled with songs of lament. And this is a great place to start with grief in the Bible. 
And if you're needing to grieve, if you're needing to lament, immerse yourself in the Psalms. I know for me personally, the Psalms have allowed me to express my anguish to God over my grief. Psalm 6, 6 through 7, I'll read it for you. It says, I'm worn out from groaning. Every night I drench my bed with tears. I soak my couch all the way through. My vision fails because of my grief. It's weak because of all my distress. I mean, that is some intense language. (laughs) Worn out from groaning, like physically worn out from groaning. Drenched with tears. My bed is so, I've cried so much that my bed is wet from my tears. And then my vision even fails. So he's, he's pointing to the physical effect of grief. Because our bodies, right, body keeps the score, right? Our bodies know and feel the grief with us. And I would go as far as to say is that when we suppress our grief, it could present itself with in anxiety, depression, so on and so on, some of these mental health issues. Now, that's, that's, not where, that's not the only place anxiety or depression stem from. But if we have suppressed grief, it really can affect our mental health and our bodies as well. Psalm 62.8 commands us to pour out our hearts to God, for he is our refuge. Lamentations 3. Jeremiah is the author of Lamentations, and he was a great prophet. And in Lamentations, the whole book, but specifically chapter 3, which I encourage you to read at some point today, this week, this month, whenever you can, he is grieving the fall of Israel. And he's grieving the heartbreaking reality of God's people turning against him. I want to read you this one verse. He says, like a bear lying in wait, like a lion in hiding, he dragged me from the path and mangled me and left me without help. He drew his bow and made me the target for his arrows. He pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver. Again, that is intense. (laughs) And that is in the Bible. Those are some honest, raw, emotional, discouraging, defeated, heartbreaking words. I mean, Jeremiah is devastated, and he is sharing all of this with God. And then in verse 21, Jeremiah shifts his perspective and reminds himself of why he still has hope, even though he is devastated, even though he feels that he and Israel are God's target. And in verse 21, he says, Yet this, I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. Here, Jeremiah reminds himself of God's great love and how God's love protects him from being consumed. He reminds himself of God's unfailing compassion, of God's mercies that are new each morning, of God's faithfulness. And then Jeremiah goes on to finish the book of Lamentation with these reminders of God's faithfulness. 
after we have been honest with the Lord about our grief, we can find hope by reminding ourselves of God's faithfulness, of his love and mercy and grace for us. But I think it's very, very, very hard to remind ourselves of God's faithfulness if we haven't first been honest with God about our pain. You know? And we try to do that, right? It's a way of like, oh, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, I'm fine. But I don't think we can quite get to that place of reminding ourselves of God's faithfulness if we haven't first been honest with God about our grief, about our pain, about our disappointment, about our anger, about our confusion, and so on. Romans 8.26, this is a great verse for us for when grief feels too intense, when we don't know actually what to say, when we don't know how to pray, when we don't know even how to keep going some days. Because this verse tells us that the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings that are too deep for words. So even, I mean, this is just something I love about God's character. Even when I'm like, I don't even know what to say or do, the Spirit is interceding for us. Because he knows what we need. So take comfort in that. God comforts us in our grief. Psalms 56, 8 says, you keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. God does not grow tired of our sadness and lament. And instead, he keeps track of it. <laughs> and he holds on to it and us. He does not grow tired of our sadness and lament. 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4 proclaims God to be our comforter who comforts us in all of our afflictions so that then we can comfort others with the comfort that he's given us. Psalms 34, 18 says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Examples of Jesus' grief. I think this is really powerful to look at How did Jesus experience this when he was on earth? Isaiah 53.3 says that Jesus was actually a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Y'all, Jesus understands our grief. He gets it. That is one of his titles that the Bible gave him, that he's a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. He enters our grief because he was acquainted with it. We can trust him in this space of grief because he has actually walked the path of death and loss. Jesus welcomes our lament because he died and resurrected to overcome sin, death, and loss forever. In John 11, we see Jesus weep with Mary and Martha over the death of their friend Lazarus. And... It's, that's a really powerful picture and thought, the God of the universe crying with those that he loves. And even though he knew he was about to raise Lazarus, he took time to grieve because grief is important and it's necessary. 
Matthew 26, 36 through 46, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And the scriptures say that his soul, soul was overwhelmed with sorrow and trouble, even to the point of death. And he, so much so that he asked the Father, can we save and restore humanity a different way than this way? Right? So much so that he was like, are you sure we can't take another path to this? Have you been in this place? Have you been in that place where you've asked God, can the plan be different? Can I have a different story, maybe? Have you wrestled with the path that he's put before you? Jesus has too. And that is a really comforting thing in a safe place to go. Matthew 27, 46, Jesus is on the cross and he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which I think is probably the most beautiful, sacred, holy, supernatural prayers of lament that ever was said out loud. Again, have you been in this place? Have you felt forsaken? Jesus has too. When we grieve, we are being like Jesus. We, again, we can trust him in this place of grief because he has gone before us. You are not alone in your grief. He understands how you feel and he sits with you in it. He can listen, affirm, comfort, and give hope. The scriptures show us that God welcomes our grief and all of the emotions and thoughts that come with it. All of the anguish, the sadness, the anger, confusion, all of it. He wants you to come to him with your grief, to be honest about your grief. And he wants to comfort you and remind you of his faithfulness and that one day he will make all wrong things right. To close, I think it's been a really hard few years for all of us. And again, I think we've all experienced loss in a way that like no, we didn't even know could could happen because I didn't know a pandemic could happen before it happened, right? My encouragement to you today is to identify those losses. Maybe they're from the pandemic. Maybe they're from before that. Maybe they're happening now. And I encourage you to lean into that grief, to take that grief to God, to give space for those honest feelings and share it all with your father. Don't downplay the feelings. God cares and he wants to comfort you and heal those broken places. And I really believe that grief is a sign of protest against the brokenness of this world. A crying out. Our grief is almost this crying out for God to restore and renew all things. And I think our mourning cries out, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I know the tension between joy and sorrow can feel really thick, right? That tension that grief creates between joy and sorrow. But there is beauty in the presence of Jesus right in the middle of that tension. And he is actually our example for how to walk this road of joy and sorrow that grief produces. Because you remember that scripture that says he endured the cross um, for the joy that was set before him? 
He endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. The joy of setting us free from our sin, overcoming death, and restoring our relationship with him. Because God exists, we have hope. In the midst of loss, death, grief, sin, brokenness, we have hope because Jesus has secured the victory for us by overcoming the cross, by overcoming death, by overcoming Satan. And our hope is secure in him. And so when we grieve, we grieve with hope. And you won't always feel that. And that's okay. And that's why we share in community. Because our community reminds us. I guarantee you I did not always feel hope grieving. And I still don't sometimes. And that's okay because Jesus understands. I want to end with this verse that I love in Revelations 21, 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Done. And I will, um, I can send out good resources. I know a lot of people will ask me about that, and I have a ton of great resources on grief. So I will definitely do that in one of the emails. Are we doing question and answer? Great. Everybody's like, I don't want to talk about grief anymore, so no question. We don't have another microphone. We don't want to repeat it. Okay. I can repeat your question. Right. So the question was, how do you um, not fix people but help people who maybe aren't willing to go to counseling to work on their grief. They simmer in it. It identifies them. They, have, they won't get help, right? Is this good? Um, well, I mean, I would love to tell you there's things that you can do, but there's just probably not much that you can do, right? Especially if you have shown up and you're willing to listen, you've been there. There's only so much you can do, right? And and when we talked about walking alongside others who are grieving, that idea of keeping it simple and not overcomplicating it is huge because that's really all that we can do is just show up and sit and listen, not minimize their pain, not try to fix it, but just say, I'm here, you know? And, and then if they're not willing to get the help that they need, you know, and then we just pray right? Because only God can do that. Only God can work on our hearts and heal us, right? Or motivate us or cause us to want to get out of that. I mean, I think even before my loss, I, my personality can have a tendency towards cynicism. That's what my husband call it. I am a realist. So let's be, <laughs> he's like, you're a pessimist. I'm like, I am not. I am just a realist. Okay. But now especially after what we've been through, I, can def I definitely feel myself wanting to even be more negative or cynical. And I don't want to be that, you know, and I can, I can understand this feeling of wanting to identify as my grief at times as well, but I know that's, that's not good for me. But, you know, with anything that we experience, sometimes that stuff is so comfortable that the thought of getting out of it is really scary. Yeah. 
It's not a great answer, but there's really just not a ton we can do. Anybody else? Questions? Thoughts? Yeah. No. So she asked, like, if um, she was just talking about the health of her father starting to decline and feeling grief before, right, he's even gone. And is it wrong to prep yourself for this event? Does that sound right? I don't think it is. Again, I, I just don't think grief is that black and white, <laughs> you know. And somebody else might not do that, and that might be okay for them. But you might need to do this, you know. And so I think taking that before the Lord and asking him, like, is this healthy for me? And if it is, how can I do it in a healthy way, right? And asking for God for wisdom and discernment on that. And, and I think, too, sometimes with stuff like that, right, maybe if I know it's coming eventually, right, then then, like, I want to have a good time with him, right? I want to connect with him, you know, and those things can be helpful for us in our grieving even before this event happens, is that helpful? Yeah. Yeah. But you're not crazy. It's, yep. Yeah, you're not. You're not. Because again, when we try to prepare ourselves for these things, we're tr- it's like a self-defense mechanism, right? We're trying to protect ourselves because it's scary and hard, which is that bad. No. But even if you prep yourself and do everything you want, it still will be sad. And that's okay. You know, it's not fun or easy, but it's okay, right? And so, again, just knowing that is helpful, that, like, I can't do enough so that when it happens, I'll be fine, right? Like, it just doesn't work like that because God gave us these emotions and this longing for stuff like this to not be here. Yeah. Anybody else? Yeah, well, they're here. <laughs> Two out of the three. Hi, I love you. <laughs> um, you know, they were, my two oldest were three and two when our son died. And they were at the hospital a decent amount throughout that time. Um, and they were super young. But that was one thing I was very worried, especially as a therapist. I'm like, they're going to be traumatized forever. You know, I'm just worst case scenario, you know not thinking clearly. Um, But I think, you know, similar to what we talked about today, just being honest with them about there are hard things in this world and they're sad. And you know what? God's original creation didn't have it and he doesn't want it here, which is why he came. And that one day he will come back and make it right. And I don't know why some of this hard stuff happens. Like we've talked about this. I why did Caleb die? I don't know, right? And I don't, I don't make up some answer that sounds good or feels good. You know, I just, I don't know. But I think God is still worth trusting even though I don't know. Why? And so, you know, and I think just helping them identify what their feelings and what's going on, um, is really helpful because they just don't know a lot of times. Are you feeling sad? Are you feeling angry? Does it feel unfair? A lot of times kids can grasp that idea of fairness 
Um, and yeah, it's okay that it doesn't feel fair because it's not fair, <laughs> you know? And again, validating their feelings, right, is really important. Um, and letting them know it's okay to be sad. I mean, I could have done a whole talk about family of origin and like how I grew up and how that was dealt with in my family and then how we do it now, you know, but that's like a whole other talk for a whole nother day. <laughs> but again, validating those emotions in our children is a really helpful way for them to grieve. You know, even just by us helping them identify those emotions and then validating them, they're grieving then. Is that answer? Okay. Yes. So the question was, when do I... Any thoughts on when it's appropriate to take a child to a funeral, memorial service? They have a three-year-old. This might be coming up for them. Um, you know, like, would I have wanted to take my three- and two-year-old to a funeral, especially for their brother? No. <laughs> you know, but I didn't really have a choice, right? And I could have left them home, and I, I wanted to. But in the end, I said, well, what's going to be better for them in the long run? Like when they're older and they look back and they're not in any of the pictures, are they going to be like, mom, why didn't you let us go? This is our brother, <laughs> right? And so, again, I think the key with this, again, everybody's got to decide this for themselves, but the key is whatever you decide to talk about it, you know, and especially with uncomfortable topics, such as death or even just loss of like, oh, this person lost their job and they're, we're helping them pay their rent. I mean, that's not an easy topic to talk to a kid about either. So any of this stuff, um, I think we have to be willing to talk to our kids about these hard topics. And do they have to know everything? No, right? But this is what we're going to, somebody's, you know, passed away. It's very sad. We don't like this. And this is just not supposed to be here, right? And we do have hope, but this is sad. And, and working that through with them. And why do we have funerals? It's to celebrate the person, to remember them, and to honor them, you know? And so I think whatever you decide, as long as you're talking about it, I don't think it's going to traumatize them. It's, it's more of when we just don't say anything about it, <laughs> you know, because then they're left to their own mind to create a truth. And it's not truth, right? But it's their first truth. And so we have the opportunity, and this goes with anything, to create that first truth for our children. And that's what we want to do because we don't want them making it up or getting it from some, somewhere else. All right. Hi, Thank baby. You so much, Cassie. That was awesome. Oh, you're great. Thank you so much for sharing with us, Cassie. Um, it's just amazing how you have continually used your experience to bless other people. Do you want this? Um, well, we're just. Oh, this is Janelle's. Okay. Um, I almost gave away your phone. Um, uh, so we're just going to have discussion for just a few more minutes, and uh, just a reminder that the pickup is at 11:30 for childcare. Thanks so much for being here today, ladies. We'll come back and close in prayer in about 
20 minutes.